Welcome to Off the Rip with your hosts that front like they know the most. We talking smack about whoever, whatever is currently on our minds. We ain't no experts, so don't get hurt if we say something that rubs you the wrong way. This is a place where ideas get thrown out and tossed around. If you can't take the heat, get up out the kitchen. We about to serve them up. It's Reem D, Mook, and Shiz. It's Off the Rip. Nothing in common. Nothing to say, nothing in common. I can't stay, come for the comments. Hello, good morning. Tell me what the lick read. What up, what up, what up, what up? You are now tuning in to your wifey's favorite podcast. <laughs> My fault. Tried that one out. Tried that one out. Um, anyways, what's going on, fellas? This is episode 19 or 20? 20. 19. I thought it was 19. It's episode episode 20. 20. The big 2-0. <laughs> All right. What's up? Episode 20 off the rip. What's going on, fellas? We are back for another episode. Rashawn, how you been? Good, man. Um... Man, Annabelle had her bridal brunch yesterday, so just kicking off the wedding festivities. I think we're like seventy days away from the wedding, man. So starting to starting to feel like wedding season. So I'm feeling good, man. Yeah, y'all have a little countdown, a little block countdown, right? Eleven weeks. What was it? I mean, you saw what you saw. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, yeah, we got a little something. I wasn't trying to clown you. I was really genuinely trying to ask a question, man. <laughs> But how you doing, man? I saw you yesterday. I'm I'm, I'm surviving. <laughs> <laughs> oh, harsh and cruel world. It's all right. You know, I'm, I'm just making my way through it. Uh, what's good with you, Mook? Chilling, man. Living life. How about any yourself? Up, any <laughs> updates on the tournaments? Uh, one and one right now. Um, the kids are playing well, so I'm happy with it. We played and- at 1240 today, last one. Have you had to um, discipline any of them? Nah. Any of them been acting up? Think nah, that they're better really than they are? <laughs> nah, I got really good kids. I got one kid that got left, but, you know, outside of that. Like I said, are the parents wild and the AAU parents? Nah, surprisingly. I don't know. The pandemic might have calmed everybody down. Got like, <laughs> everybody away from AAU. I haven't seen I've, seen – I've seen some crazy AAU fights, things like that, but I haven't seen any, any recently, so that's always a positive. I feel like Mook's form of discipline is just grabbing a ball and just dunking on people. So, nah, I'm grabbing the ball and throwing it at a kid. <laughs> <laughs> like, what's the name for Rutgers? <laughs> yeah, Get the fuck out of my practice. What's <laughs> <laughs> good with you, Reem? I'm doing good, bro. I'm doing good. Yeah, <clears throat> I'm in uh in Vermont, back in the homeland this weekend. You know. For my brother's birthday, so we about to go to brunch after this. Was it live free or die out there? Wait, no, that's, nah, that, that's New Hampshire, bro. Don't get oh, us mixed shit. up. My the neighbors. Don't, don't, do that. <laughs> yeah, no, don't do that. That's a problem. That's a problem over here. What y'all say in Vermont, yo? What's y'all little saying? Y'all have a little catchphrase? Um, something on y'all on your uh, license plates? Nothing. Nah, I don't think we do. We the Green Mountain State. That's all it is. I think it says oh, yeah. that in the license plate. Well, don't y'all got a lot of French stupid ass saying? Say again, true What'd you say? Isn't there a lot of French influence in Vermont? Um, in like oh, northern Vermont, like, yeah, because yeah. how close we are to the border, but I don't really see it where I am. But there is, it definitely is. But I'm in the, the beautiful state, man. It's a nice day out today. The sun, the sun's out, the birds are chirping. It's a great day to be in Vermont, my friends. Great day, great day to be in Vermont. <laughs> Love that word. <laughs> Trev on the ones and twos, what up? Yeah, yeah, and shout out to our producer Edgar, and shout out to the uh artist of our theme song Vanna Black Soul with nothing in common. 
All right, speaking of music, let's kick it off today, yo, with our famous segment, What's in Your Serato? What's in Your Serato? What's in Your Serato? So uh, we've had, um, the tree has been shook, right? We've been, we've been talking about this for a little bit. We've been waiting for the people at the top of the mountain to drop some heat. We've been asking, where are y'all? But first, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. But first, let's just talk about um, some of the music that's dropped. Y'all, um, can y'all list off some of the names? So we got we got Nikki, right, with Beam Me Up, Scotty. Um, we got, well, actually, we can start with that. Did you guys get a chance to listen to it? I listened to the first track, and that was it. And I skipped the best I ever had because I thought it was going to be a remix. And then I was like that meme with that, like, uh, European dude taking off his headphones, like, oh. <laughs> 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 like, like, that's how I felt, bro. Like, this shit is trash. <laughs> and that uh, was it for me. I did the exact same thing, bro. I listened to the first one because I heard people talking about the Drake and, and Little Wayne lines. And then I was like, I scrolled through. I'm like, oh, best I, I ever had? Let me, let me see what this is. And I was like, mm, that's that's not doing it. Classic. It's disappointing. I mean, I actually, well, the best I ever had was disappointing. I actually didn't mind the album. I didn't listen to it all, though. I got through like up to Itty Bitty Piggy. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you was listening to. That, that's what that's, you that's was, what I was bumping, baby. Itty bitty piggy through the streets of Vermont. Trees of Vermont. Oh yeah, we repping. We repping. You know, put everybody on over here. They didn't. They don't have this music yet. You got to remember, they're a little behind. Oh you know? shit! It's like 2006 over there. They still wear baggy jeans and reverse jerseys. I mean, <laughs> Jabo jeans. If, if you had seen, we went out to, we went out to, we went out to dinner. If you had seen some of the styles, bro, uh, I'll leave it at that. <laughs> yeah, honestly, y'all a few I, months, I, y'all a few I, months I, away from twerking. I mean, uh, uh jerking. Whoa, <laughs> whoa, bro! hat on the skinny jeans, <laughs> rocking baby apes, <laughs> had the snap back on. Nah, I fucked with uh, I fucked with um, uh, seeing green. Um, but until today, I didn't realize that this was a re-release because I was listening to Drake's part and I was like, damn, this sound like old Drake. Like he's really bringing that shit back, but. I didn't realize this was kind of like a care package uh, kind of just compilation of things that she put out before. And then she just kind of like revamped it. So I listened to I Get Crazy and that was it. I was out here trying to get light like I was in 2007 and then I just kind of moved on. I haven't listened to anything else on the album. Here's the thing about Nikki. Do you think like obviously Nikki has influenced this generation? of uh lady rappers but is she getting out nikki at this point yes mm, i mean like, that depends on how you define out nikki like is, are other people making more money than her right now is that what you're no, saying no are, are other people doing her gimmick better mm. well i feel like she just she she chose to take the back seat though to well like, it's really and yeah, honestly it's in in nikki and lil kim had beef for it but lil kim is really the one who should be exactly Attributed for the look and the sound and the the aggression, mm. um, but Nikki Nikki can rap. She has bars sometimes, but sometimes her bars are like Big Sean bars, where it's like this is so yo corny. yo yo yo. This, this, is, so, <laughs> this is the corniest shit I ever heard. Like when she rap, I'm a star. Yo. 
Yo. Sheriff badge. I, I almost threw my fucking iPod out the bus when I heard that. On the way. Yo, move. Did you hear? Hey, come what on, this these are some weak in the knees bars. Of course, bro. I heard this. Did you hear what this? We just not gonna let this nigga just disrespect Big Sean. Some is just out here bars, chilling, bro. And you just you had the odd catching fades at ten o'clock in the morning, bro. Yo, it's too early for this. Reem, don't even because Reem he's well, sitting like, back, like, trying not trying to instigate this. Shit. Clearly, clearly, Nicki can rap better than Cardi, but Cardi might make better party music right now yeah i mean nikki nikki's a better rapper but better they, rapper. they have like their niche of what they do and i feel like nikki probably maybe hasn't done as much because has she been pregnant i think she had a baby recently she's, yeah, right? yeah. She's yeah. Also like 40 years old right so like maybe <laughs> she's really that old no she's not <laughs> no nah, she's like yeah she's the same age she's old she's the same she's age as beyonce oh shit damn don't you remember in um what's the song Mook upgrade you? He says, then I just signed a chick named Nicki Minaj, and that was like yes, 2007. That, yeah, early. No, that was like before that. That was like 2005, 2006. Yeah, she's been signed for a mm. while. She got on late. Yeah. yeah, I guess I just wonder if the family thing has kind of had her take a step back, and that's allowed for more people to um, fine tune that style that little Kim and her. She, she like she certainly inspired a generation but it's weird because she always has to remind that generation like yo i inspire all of y'all are my sons like yeah you think she like if she embraced them like gucci that's embraces yeah gucci embraces all those uh younger artists but do you think inspired except jeezy yeah. do you think that's what she did with like this this album or whatever this is this re-release just like let them know like yo, trying to remind I'm everybody that i'm still that bitch right but i'm saying like that's kind of like that's like that's an the ego thing, thing that annoys me. Same thing with Kanye running around saying like I'm the goat, I'm the goat, I'm the best, whatever. It's like, yo, mm-hmm. you're not the king if every if you have to scream that you're the king. You're not the best if you have to say that you're the best. To me, like mm-hmm. that you, your work should just go for you. And it's different when LeBron does it. I'll say that. <laughs> well, but Kanye's thing is like he yeah. says he's the best, he but he's LeBron also is one out, of the like best. It. Like his work, right. his work does speak for himself. But then right, Kanye does. just does Kanye stuff and adds to it. Yeah. You know? Yeah, Kanye's is more of an ego thing. But you don't well, think this is an ego Nikki. thing with Nikki? Yeah, I think Nikki's yeah. kind of like a. Uh, I think she think... doesn't. She doesn't think that she's gotten her enough respect and enough mm. praise for what she's done, and yeah. so that's why she feels like she has to continue to. Which I to complete, just kind of put that. I out. completely understand that. It's like a. It's a double edged sword for me. And again, she's a black woman, so mm-hmm. like I, I totally see how she would get uh, media cover, covered by the media wrong or um the public could be very dismissive of her and what she's done mm. even from yeah. a tech like from a rapping technically like having bars standpoint mm. uh, so I, I can i can understand it to that degree but then also at some point it just comes off as it comes off as i, I hate saying it but like it comes sometimes it gets annoying mm. you know that just that same attitude but here I am criticizing a black woman, and I love my black queen. So, hey, you just don't, can, a, don't cancel me. <laughs> I kind of have a, I kind of have an idea about it. I think Nicki Minaj is not as a, as affected by Cardi as she is by Meg The Stallion because I feel like people look at Meg The Stallion as an actual rapper, yeah. and now they're kind of looking at her as like she may be the greatest female rapper of all time. Because, like, if I'm looking at the list of female rappers in general, because, like, the thing about it is Meg Thee Stallion's, like, kind of, like, one of the first female artists that kind of has her own style. 
that like no other female artist has ever really had before. UGK, she bro. Kinda, she she yeah, has a trail flow. Yeah. She has a Houston she's, flow. she's Houston through and through. Yeah. She's yeah. Houston through and through. And that's the thing about it, because like Meg the Stallion, even though she talks about like her body and stuff like that, her bars don't have to be about her body to like actually hit. Mm. Like she actually can like legitimately go out there and flow with the best of them. Mm-hmm. I still Great. don't think we give it that word though. Man? I don't know, bro. I, don't I still know, think bro. I still think like if Nikki was really in a bad, and this is the thing with Nikki too, because because Meg cleaned she... up, Meg cleaned up Cardi on Yo, on uh, I mean, but come on, cleaned her up. Cardi like Cardi. That was Cardi. Like, no, song, no offense, no song, offense, now. Reem, but like Cardi. Yeah, that's not that's not you're right. You're right. <laughs> I, I, you know what I'm saying? I can't like, say anything, bro. I can't say anything. But I feel like with Nikki, who was she beefing with? Um. A few, a few <laughs> yeah. years ago, but no, who was she beefing with? And she, Nikki had, because I feel like even with this, like Drake and Wayne, anytime when she's beefing with somebody, she has help. But I feel like, honestly, like if Nikki is really in her bag, I feel like she, she, she would easily wash Meg. And no disrespect no. to Meg. I feel no. like Nikki, I feel like if Nikki, I'm saying it right now, I feel like if Nikki is in her bag, she will wash Meg. And you know what else I'm tired mm-hmm. of, Nikki? She... Her monster verse was good. It wasn't that great. No, nigga. She <laughs> did her People thing. People overrate that, 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 over that, that verse was so, thing, thing, bro. That verse so much. Her verse was not the best on that song. Uh, she did her thing, bro. Yeah, but, yeah, but, but all the verses like on that song, song were crazy. So, like, yeah. even yeah. not the best like verse was a great fucking verse. You're right, Korean. You're right. You know, but, like, all that was You know what happened was Adele went on whatever show that is with the 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 British dude and the singing in taxis. Um, James Corden, Corden or whatever. Yeah, James, yeah. Yeah, that went on that and did the monster verse and then everybody fell in love with it. And I was like, yo, this verse has been out for forever. Like, where, where are all you people coming from? <laughs> but, well, that's Nikki for you. Um, <laughs> we got to get to the heat. <laughs> we got to get to the heat that dropped. I don't even care, whatever. Kodak dropped, whatever. Who else dropped, whatever. I don't care. Because a GOAT has something to say. It's the off season, fellas. Mm. J. Cole dropped. We was asking for it, and he mm. gave it to us. On May 14th, he dropped it. Mm. And I loved it, man. From the moment I pressed play, from the moment I heard Cameron's voice on track one on 95 South, I was like, oh, this is this is different. Bro, he had little John on there, too. I was like, yo, I'm going to have to turn this shit all the way up. I'm about to just <laughs> bust my speakers, bro. I'm going to blow these bitches out. Granted, I'm I'm very biased when it comes to J. Cole, so you pr- probably take my opinion with a grain of salt, but I really, really, really loved it. And um, I loved all the features. Unlike um, Wants and Needs, where Lil Baby cleaned up Drake, uh, Cole was rapping, rapping, and did his thing. Lil Baby had a great verse, but Cole still was like, nah, I'm big bro here. And then you see the influence that Cole has on uh, 21 Savage. But 21 Savage, I wouldn't be surprised if Cole helped him write that verse. Cause he has a flow from a lot on it. Uh, but yeah, you can see how Cole's just a big bro now. And he's again, embracing this younger generation, not trying to be like, yo, I am influenced y'all, but uh, he's talking that shit and I'm ready for the next two. It's a boy and um, the fall off. I'm, I'm excited to see where he goes with this. Yeah. I, I absolutely love that. Album. Like you said, from the time you heard Cameron on the first track, the shit like, Right then, it like hooked me right then, like because obviously, like you know, what I'm saying like we're biased towards J Cole. Like I don't think I've ever heard a bad J Cole project like in my life from the time that he was releasing, you know, just from straight mixtapes all the way up until right now. So I mean, I am biased, but that shit was. 
I can't stop listening, to be honest with you. Yo, what did that dude say in the skit? He said, did I like it? You mean, did I love it? <laughs> Supreme, bro. Yo, yo this is, is so, so funny. funny bro. <laughs> he said, Jermaine. <laughs> Jermaine Cole. <laughs> yeah, well, one thing I really like about the album is the, um, the sequencing and how short it is. Mm. Um, yeah. usually, usually, I get pissed off with like two minute, two and a half minute songs. But the way that Cole did it, and he he even has a line on it saying, uh, uh, y'all happy with y'all me with your 23 out 23 song album with your measly hundred thou. I was like, yo, he's really talking this shit. But <laughs> I like how it's a short album that you can just listen to it. You can just put it on repeat back to back to back. When it came mm. out, I listened to it twice without realizing that I'd gone through it. Because mm. I liked it so much. And it's and it's like the perfect amount too. Yeah. It's like 39 minutes playtime. Like it's literally the perfect amount for an album. Yeah. To just like have something just, you know, just to put something on while like you're taking a drive or you're working out or something like that. Like it's literally the perfect amount of time for an album. And that's yeah. like the thing he was talking about. Like guys like come out with albums and they'll put like, you know, you got like an hour and a half like playtime. You got like 30 songs on it. It's like nobody wants to listen to this shit. Mm. <laughs> Which is funny because how long was Nikki's album? Or care package whatever that just dropped yo do you think that was disrespectful for her to drop that on the same day i mean yeah if you if i put my tinfoil <laughs> hat on it definitely seemed like the ovo camp might have went over to nikki and said yo go ahead drop it yeah. <laughs> yeah. 23 songs an hour and 17 yeah jesus now i loved it i love the documentary too bro so much inspiration in the documentary and seeing his like mentorship to 21 savage and them having a conversation of um just his overall journey in the music industry um yeah it was just, it was dope man and him just being able to f- fulfill everything in rap and now he's getting ready to play ball too so it's just it's cool and i didn't realize that middle child is a part of what's the next album um it's a boy or the fall off the fall off i think i think he mentioned that in a documentary and he was just like he talked about you know his pride and stuff and like yo i'm not gonna put out a single but he was like fuck it like i'm just i'm i'm not gonna live life without any regrets like i'm gonna put this shit out right now and not care and then having features having features on this album and we know how cole is when it comes to features mm-hmm. so i thought it was cool just him like having that dialogue with him and um just really just explaining the, the overall process and going back to his roots in new york you know what i mean being at muhammad's crib and creating uh four cell drive and just going back to the trenches and talking a little bit about fatherhood too, which is cool. Building his studio. He was, his his work. he was doing his work. Yeah. He was dope to see like he he is still evolving as well. Yeah. And he's he's not one to admit when he's been wrong or not one to admit when he needs to change course. Um, because there is definitely a moment there where I, I believe J. Cole got disillusioned with the music game mm. and was just like, you know, I don't even like what does this all mean but then something under i think that competitive fire got back up under him and he was like yo there's a way i can do this and there's a way i can do this while sticking to my integrity mm-hmm. and um that's why that's why i love uh just watching j cole and, and listening to j cole because he really sticks to his guns and he's from what i see because i i don't really know these dudes you know i don't know yeah. how they move behind closed doors but from what he puts out it's like that's a man with integrity that's a man um who really is conscious about what he does and really calculates his every move. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, he he he's different than than a lot of the other artists that are out there. And for me, I identify with that because you know I'm not running drugs, I'm not shooting up people, I'm not uh, Drake taking down every Instagram model out here. You know what I mean? But the way that Cole raps, the way that his content is, I can highly identify with that. So that's why I'm so gravitated to him. And just just that energy, it's like it's like emanating energy from from the music, from the documentary. And it's inspiring. It's just like, yo, now that he did that, it's like, no, now I can analyze my own life. I can do, like we say in our job, Sean, once one man does his work, you know, everybody does their work. Right. So like, I can figure out how I want to leave my legacy. I can figure out how, like, I've been uh, in certain situations, like J. Cole was saying, like, yo, I love basketball, but I didn't love it that much. Like mm-hmm. the people who, who really wanted to do it were out here practicing. I was just showing up and playing. And then one day they're in the league and I'm not. Yeah, but we also and, see we yeah, yeah to that point so just the, just, the, just the the work ethic and yeah exactly. and realizing like yo yeah. and and realizing like I can still do it like it's not too late, which is also what I think is dope too. He's doing it on his own time, his own terms. But yeah, go ahead. Rashawn. Yeah, no, I'm just saying. Um, I mean, you said it. Just him channeling that same analogy with like basketball into rap, and having the discipline to wake up every morning. Yo, I gotta I gotta write a verse a day. Like, I can't leave the crib without writing a verse and just like getting disciplined. So like when he gets into the studio, he's like he's locked in. You know what I'm saying? So it's just cool just to like for him to break down that process. I thought that was cool. And I think it was just really motivating when we talk about the podcast and shit. I'm like, yo, punching the clock, like, you know, just time in general. I'm like, fuck, we got to do we got we got to make some shit happen. Right. That made me think about how can I practice? Because he you don't think like, oh, you can practice rap. Like you don't mm. that that's like a, a foreign concept, like, but this dude's really breaking it down and making practices for himself to get better. So to me, with this, I'm like, yo, how can we practice podcasting? Mm. How can I wake up every day and practice my craft so I can get better every like each time I know I'm doing this, so I'm getting better? Like that's the way I'm thinking, like, how can I make this translate to my own life? How can I make this translate to off the rip? Mm. And how can I make this um and bring the same type of energy to other people? So yeah. That was you, uh, like I said. Oh, go ahead, Mook. Okay. No, I was just saying because me and me and Rashawn had watched it yesterday. And like when Rashawn first told me, he was like, bro, like I saw this shit and like this shit was so inspirational to me. And I was like, you know, like I was kind of going into it, it was like, all right, he's probably just talking or whatever like that. And you actually sit down and watch that. And like you said, that whole part when he's talking about like he said, I'm my, you know, my boys out here, you know, working on the gym. I'm out here, you know, just you know working on Allen Iverson crossover, Iverson crossovers and shit in my driveway, thinking I'm doing something. And he was talking about how, like, his boys, how, like, they really pushed him towards towards a goal. And he was like, you know, I'm out of college and shit like that, and I'm just, you know, sitting around, just partying and shit like that. And he was like, if you're going to take it serious, you got to stop putting that shit, you know, put that shit aside and, you know, actually go for it. So, like you said, like, this really, like, they're, like, honestly, it made me, like, you know, push towards, like, you know, what's my bigger goal? What's my bigger purpose? Mm-hmm. And, and to that fact, Mook, it's, it's also who's around you. Because mm-hmm. if Cole has some fake friends around him or some friends who are, ain't shit, they wouldn't have had that real-ass conversation with him. Because even Cole was like, yo, I was offended. Like, I was yes. like, what the hell? Yo, he said, yo, he's on with y'all niggas every day. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, yeah. it, that, that also kind of reminds me a little bit of, I know it might be a little corny, but Goodwill Hunting with... Ben Affleck and uh, Matt Damon and Ben Affleck is just like, bro, you you got greatness in you. 
Mm-hmm. Like, yo, I you shouldn't be here. Like, I am here, but you shouldn't be here. Like, so, um, yeah, just watch the company you keep and make sure everybody's trying to, you know, inspire each other, level each other up. And, like, another thing, too, that um, I noticed about this, my fault, Corinne, but uh, another thing, too, like, I noticed about this was, like, yo, like, how can we, like, you know, move ourselves over, not in just, like, the podcast, but just, like, life in general. Like, how mm-hmm. can we use, like, this information to, like, build ourselves up? Like, me and Rashawn, yesterday we were shooting and stuff like that. And it's crazy how different our conversations are now than what we would have been talking about, say, five years ago. Bro, me and Rashawn are talking about, like, you know, investing and shit like that and how we're going to put our money in towards this stuff. Like, like five years ago, we're not thinking about what, you know, what our money's going to do for us. We're just thinking about, like, you know, quick, stupid shit that we're thinking about buying. So I just thought that was, like, cool that, like, that was our conversation that we're having yesterday, showing, like, maturity in us. Yeah, that's dope. No, that, I think that's dope all you're saying. I was honestly just going to clown you, D, because you kind of sound like the memes where, like, once a J. Cole album comes out, like, everybody's mad philosophical and, like, you know, forward thinking and everything. But you're right. Like, I, I think part of that is just J. Cole, like, seems very real. And so when you hear his music, you can feel the passion. And it, it is kind of inspirational. But uh, I just kind of had to make that point. But yeah, nah, that's, that's legit, man. <laughs> that's, that's a funny critique the, Yo, the, man, meme, the memes are there the memes are real right man hold up hold up hold up hold up y'all ain't catch what mook said he said yo i thought shiz was just talking bro i'm like nigga what for <laughs> 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 sure was just saying some shit yo like i thought you i was that, bro <laughs> no nah, i thought you like at first i thought you were like being like dream like yo, i heard the album so like i'm feeling deep and shit now so i'm feeling philosophical <laughs> I was like, oh shit, like nah, like he's absolutely right. Like that shit I'm like glued to I I'm probably gonna go back and watch that shit again today. Like I might watch this shit every day. Like waking up in the morning when I don't want to go to work. I'm like, yeah, let me watch this shit to get me going for the day. <laughs> J. Cole, <laughs> inspirational. Maybe want to run through a brick wall. Damn, like exactly. That. Okay, okay. Like shit, I might I might have to go out there and guard Steph tonight. That's how I'm feeling. Whoa, <laughs> uh, hey, <yeah. laughs> No, <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> Imagine walking to the locker. Yeah, you got to guard stuff tonight. All right, let me put this J. Cole on. I got you, coach. I can't stay Well, we are revisiting one of our more uh, somber segments, uh, the post-post-racial world. Last episode, we talked about how... Uh, the grand old party, the GOP, the Republicans, the conservatives, the right side, whatever you want to call them, um, they have been uh, gearing up to ban critical race theory from uh, public curri- public school curriculum and teaching it. And in an update in that, we have news coming from Tennessee on May 6th that Tennessee is bans public schools from teaching critical race theory um, and that they are withholding funding from public schools that teach about white privilege. So um, I have this right now from the Tennessean that Republicans in the House made the legislation a last minute priority, introducing provisions that ban schools from instructing students that one race bears responsibility for the past actions against another. That the United States is fundamentally racist or that a person is inherently privileged or oppressive due to their race. Um, And similar proposals surfaced in other states this year, including Idaho, um, that has been signed into law by the governor and Texas Republicans are also pushing a proposal to ban critical race theory in schools. And again, just to let you know what critical race theory is, 
Uh, critical race theory teaches that racism is ingrained in the U.S. institutions and that people who are white benefit from it. The concept and whether schools, churches, and other corporations subscribe to it has been a source of controversy within institutions for several years, but has received heightened attention in recent months. Uh, so I just wanted to highlight this again because, like I said, this is this is the backlash um, that we're seeing. Uh, this is it's crazy, but they're really mobilizing the movement to make this for real. And it's the fact that they don't want to acknowledge uh, what has happened and the fact that they're actively punishing people, punishing schools by taking away funding for teaching the truth is wild to me. Um, and I just want to highlight it because I feel like if we don't highlight it, it's just going to go unheard and untalked about. So I'm going to make that I'm gonna scream that out from the top of the mountain every time I can, because the shit is the shit is crazy. Yeah, it's like, tell me you're racist without telling me that you're racist. Like this is like everything that's being put in place right now is just it's ridiculous. And it goes back to what Kareem said. I want to say last on the last podcast where people are putting passing bills to keep one perspective of history alive, right? Because if we put in or bring in another perspective then it just presents that opportunity again for people to pick and choose what they want to believe but if we're like intentionally not funding this to open people's eyes i mean this is this is ridiculous it's crazy pulling funding not not funding pulling that's yeah pulling funding not funding this for people to teach this is is crazy yeah I just think it, it it's just unfair to like a lot of people. It's unfair to white people, but it's also unfair to people of color. Like it's unfair to a lot of people to purposefully choose a way to describe historical events to favor one particular group, right? Because that's in some essence what's happening is that, you know, the, the whole story isn't being told. And like you said, Shiz, it goes back to like if if you don't have the whole story, you kind of have to create your own idea of it based off what you have. If you only have bits and pieces, you can only make your assumption or beliefs off those bits and pieces. And, and a big issue with kind of pulling funding like this and limiting the ability to have discussions is that you really limit kids' idea to critically think, to assess, to analyze, and to look at a larger picture. Like if you just look at a very small aspect of something, you're gonna get a small thought of what this is. But if you can look at the bigger scheme of things, and see how it's affected, you know, this time period and that time period in schools and educations and organizations, then you can actually really start to understand the impact. So like, for me, it's just frustrating because it's not like the information's not out there, right? Like these kids and the parents can still teach this information, just not outside of school. So what's gonna happen is these kids are gonna go through school, not learning about these certain aspects and then there will be other kids that do know about it or other adults that do know about it. And these kids will be behind in terms of their understanding and mm -hmm. awareness of, of actual historic events. Like, it's not like we don't know what happened. Again, I'll use the example of Christopher Columbus. Like, it's not like we don't know what exactly happens. But in school, they teach a very specific point of view, maybe to shield young kids from understanding that there was genocide and killing of, of many, many people. But it's also to shield, I think, a certain population of people, white people from what they did, you know, coming to somebody else's country and just saying it's mine now and killing people in, in the land, you know? So those kids are gonna learn about that at some point. 
And then when they learn about it at a later point, it's like, well, I've been lied to this whole time. You know, my parents lied to me, my teachers lied. Like that creates not like a, it's not like a, tr- it, it, it creates like a lack of trust. Like it's an attachment issue then because you, you don't know who to trust. Like schools told me my whole 12 years of school that Christopher Columbus sailed the seven seas and found America. And then I go to college or I do my own research and find out that this is what really happened, that they killed this many people. Like now, what are you supposed to believe? Like now you start to question everything else. I feel like that's what not teaching critical race theory and these other ideas does is it creates this second guessing about everything now because we see what's kind of being pushed to the side or, or avoided. That That's my big concern with stuff like this. And like you said, D, when you pull funding, that just adds a whole another layer of uh, of serious you know issues with the fact that you're not even gonna fund programs if they consider uh, teaching these kind of things. Mm. And, and to, to add to that, Reem, and then again, like we touched on last week, what that does to the students of color who are going through that and being taught the wrong history, being taught that they're wrong. Because we know that these schools with that, with the way the public schools is, the way the, the history that they create and teach us, that they formulate and teach us, it implies that black people, people of color are bad. It, it has a negative stigma to it. It makes, it makes, uh, I'll speak for myself. Like I said, it made me feel like I was the other or I was crazy uh, because I didn't identify with this stuff. Not even like me, not even like, even as small as me not wanting to listen to, um, listen to a teacher because they're talking about European history. You know what I'm talking about? Like, mm-hmm. and then because I'm, because I'm checked out now it's a discipline issue. You know, so there's like a whole bunch of different implications about that. Right. And um, it just, and, and, and one of the things that the Tennessean said that sparked this conversation is that one of the white kids went home to their parents and asked their mom, hey, are, am I a racist? And then that sparked a whole big controversy. But it's like, those are the questions that should be asked. Right. Those are the questions you should be having with your child. And there's nothing wrong with having that conversation. Don't be afraid of having that conversation. And D, you just said something that's really interesting. The fact that like kind of in school, because you didn't want to hear some of the stuff that the teachers were saying, like that kind of created disciplinary issues or differences mm-hmm. with the teachers. Like that's something else too that is very real and not spoken about is kids go home, they live with their parents. Their parents are going to talk to them about these things. Parents ask, what'd you learn at school today? Oh, you learned this? That That's not really what happens. Or like, there's more to that story. Mm-hmm. So the kids know it. They come back to school and they ask questions or they say this. Or they start to second guess their teachers because mom and dad are saying one thing and the school is saying something else. And that creates that challenging of authority of this teacher's wrong, this teacher's stupid, this teacher's not listening to me. And then you get disciplinary issues, mostly from students of color because parents at home are teaching them something different than what is being taught in schools like that. That sparks a whole nother train of, of problems and issues within you know the education system because they're leaving out this huge, massive part of history like that that should be so clear i don't know to me that's like that's not a huge jump like logically it's not a big jump to make that you leave out parts of history and that causes issues at home which then brings issues back to school you know not even even that just interest level in content Mm, like right like just is this student going to be engaged will they have good grades will they make the test will they write the papers if they're learning about this history versus the real history Mm -hmm. like i I double. I went out of Wheelock. I graduated with Wheelock, 
uh, shout out to BU actually, uh, with <laughs> a double major in American history and communications. I hated history. I didn't even know that I could double major until American history until I was getting my credits audited for graduation mm. in my junior year. And they were like, yo, you're a couple credits away from getting your history major. And that's because I was learning, I was taking classes like uh, the Black Panthers. I was taking classes like the Civil Rights Movement. Shout I was taking classes. Uh, well, those ones were with Jamal. Oh, okay. But those type of classes really sparked, sparked my like love for learning. And like once I, I didn't even realize, but now it's like, yo, I have a history major mm-hmm. because I was studying that stuff. I didn't even, that didn't even process my mind. I didn't even come through my mind. Right. Yeah. So I'm like, if we were learning about this, imagine how many kids would want to be a uh, scientist. Imagine how many kids would want to be mathematicians. True. Imagine how many kids would want to be pilots or whatever, whatever, yeah. whatever the fuck you say, if you actually talk to them about their actual history. Yeah, exactly. That's so true. Cause it's just like, why like i lose immediately lose interest if in it or in history in general if i don't resonate with like the people that we're learning about kind of makes me all this critical race theory talk makes me want to just go back to my high school and square up with my history teacher <laughs> like i might just have to shoot the fade with all of them bro Yo, think about, think about learn, that no, no but think it's, about it it's like world history which is really yeah. european history yep mm-hmm. then you gotta take ap euro Yep. And then you got to take like another Euro, like the, the Euro classes are it's, Eurocentric city in the curriculum is ridiculous, man. Yeah. And then we get bad grades for history that's built off of lies. Yo, I'm about to, I'm about to take a ride up the Western, bro. <laughs> I'll take a ride up there, bro. <laughs> like, and then the only thing they want to teach us is uh, uh, what, a raisin in the sun, some Langston Hughes. Yeah, you can learn. I'm that. hip. Why to watch Roots again, yeah. bro? It's like and you might have had a Maya Angelou poem in yeah. fucking English class. Wait, wait, wait. The Amistad. <laughs> yeah, you got to read Beloved, one of the most depressing books in the fucking world. You got to go, go read Beloved. Go read, go read fucking um, all these books about fucking these this crazy trauma that blacks had to go through and then be okay and sit in the school for the rest of the time. Bro, it's like the Supreme yeah. Dream skit on um, Black History Month. They're like, Martin Luther King fought for civil rights, and that's the end of Black History Month. And the kids <laughs> exactly. are like, what? That, that's Max. it? That, that's all we did? Really? Like, come on. Like, you think a month of talking about those few things, kids aren't going to have questions. They're not going to think, like, wait, is there not more? Yo, but like, Mook said kids that last stupid. week. Like, we only, in Black History Month, every Black History Month, we only talk about, like, the same two or three, like, Black figures. Mm-hmm. Like, that's and that's it. Black History Month for you. Right, <laughs> I wish I could be a high schooler now and just be like, "What about Fred Hampton?" Oh, oh, <laughs> moving on. We're in March now, baby. <laughs> like, what? How do you know about Fred Hampton? You're gonna have to wait till 2022 to learn about that. <laughs> right. <laughs> what about Malcolm book, X? Mark your book right there. You will come back to it. Be in Tennessee, like, what about Malcolm X? Ha! By law, we can't do that. We're not going there. <laughs> right? Like, imagine, bro. Just about a, student, that. a student asks, can we learn about this? And the teacher says, no, because if I talk about this, our school will lose funding. Think about that so for a second. Crazy. Yeah. That's wild, bro. That is yeah. absolutely wild. That's a damn shame. I'm really about to shoot People the fade, bro. On masks, talking about my freedom, my freedom. <laughs> now, but now they wanted to believe the CDC, everything they say, bro. They don't got to yeah, wear masks. Yeah, now that the CDC says Ooh, that, you don't have to wear your mask. Topic, Everybody bro. running. Yeah, yeah hold on. I work so at Fenway crazy. Park. The shit is wild. I can only imagine, bro. Black History Month, February. We all standing on the fucking. We get the shortest month of the fucking year. Sitting on a stage together singing We Shall Overcome. Get the fuck out of here, bro. Get the fuck out of here. I'm not my grandparents. I won't give you these hands. 
<laughs> and feet, bro. And elbows. Whatever's whatever's near. Oh. <laughs> that concludes our segment on the post post racial. That was funny. <laughs> All right, fellas. So today is a big day. Today is the final uh day of the NBA season. So there's a lot of games with playoff in playoff implications and also playing implications so as it sits right now the celtics are the seven seed the hornets eight seed pacers nine seed and the wizards are the 10 seed so um, based off of that the celtics would play the hornets for the seven seed and then the pacers would play the wizards to take on the loser of that seven to eight game to uh get the final playoff spot um, as of right now, um, the games for the final um, day, the Celtics will be taking on the New York Knicks. The Hornets will be taking on the Wizards. Um, so that's a huge game because uh, obviously the winner of that game will get the eight seed spot and then the loser will obviously fall to the nine seed. So what are you guys' opinions on the plan? What are you guys uh, looking for based off of, the, uh, off of uh, what you know right now? I think like this is kind of what the NBA, I still don't love this like idea of how the seven, eighth, nine and 10 play, but this is kind of what they're looking for where like the last game of the season has big implications for where teams are going to fall. Um, so like, like you said, like the Celtics are kind of locked into the seven, but eight, nine and 10 can kind of train change uh, depending on who wins these games. But I'm excited. Like, I think the, the Charlotte Washington game is going to be really fun because that would be interesting to see you know, who will kind of, who will come out there because both teams are hot. I feel like Charlotte could definitely win a couple of games in the playoffs and Washington. We've talked about it, but I, like, I still feel like nobody wants to see Washington in the playoffs. I know they got Russ and Brad, but like, you don't want to see those guys in the playoffs. So I, I just feel like this is, this is kind of like the exciting basketball that they were hoping for with the play in uh tournament like this. Yeah, so I mean, I mean, I'm excited about it, I guess, because like it does make it interesting for the last day of the season. Because you know, usually at this point in the season, there's a lot of teams that are already out of the playoffs, so like these last games don't matter. Mm -hmm. But because of everything that is going on right now, that like all these games do matter, this last day is kind of like you know, like we'll say like week 17 of the NBA uh, NFL season, where it's like everybody still has to like compete because you're playing for something at that point. So right. it's kind of like it's kind of a cool idea that everybody does play this Sunday. So it's like everybody's locked into a TV today just to kind of see how everything else pans out for the playoffs coming up. You think it's over for the Celtics tonight? Probably. I mean, they'll, they'll they they they're guaranteed at least two more games. So, I mean, take with that information as you want. So, <laughs> I got a I got an email the other day and asked if I wanted to buy playing tickets like the playing game tickets. I was like, I'm good. I just yeah. deleted that shit. Put that yeah. shit in my junk. <laughs> when the Celtics, like, it's tough because uh, Jalen's out now too, right? So, yeah. like, they yeah. just – the injuries luck this season, like, if not to blame injuries, but, like, they just had some shitty injury luck. They just never had a full squad for more than, like, a week or two. So, it, it's tough for them. But, yeah, we'll see. We'll I mean, see. I think the bubble kind of – I think the bubble kind of fucked everybody up. I'm not going to lie. Because if you look mm -hmm. at the final four teams that were in the playoffs last year, all of them have had their struggles for the for the most part this season. You yeah. look at guys like 
you know, you look at the Celtics who are banged up most of the year, the Heat, the same thing. The Lakers injuries have, you know, killed the most of the season. So Jamal Murray, I mean, Denver, like, yeah. Exactly. Like yeah. guys that like made runs in the playoffs have really, you know, bit them in the in the end because like they just weren't healthy and you had like what three months before the next season had started. Yeah, and then you look like the Warriors who had, yeah, what, like 200-something days to rest while, like, you know, these top four teams had, like, 70-ish days. And exactly. you see Steph just killing right now. It's like Steph got some fresh legs right now. Like, Steph doing his thing, you know? And he didn't finish the last, the rest of the last season anyway. They had shut him down in, like, <laughs> right. January. This so man's had really been resting. a year to recover. Yeah. This man was in his his little little – the little omni chamber and shit like that just buffed out and he's good now. <laughs> right. Yeah. Putting so. up 30 a game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'd like to see if like from the playoff games, however they shake out, I'd like to still see the Celtics and Washington get in as much as I want to see Charlotte in the playoffs. I'd like to see uh, Celtics and Washington be the seventh and eighth, whichever way. So I think that would just have more, like Washington's got more playoff potential, more playoff experience. So like they probably put up better games than Charlotte. Kareem's love affair with Russ. R- Russ and Brad Beal, bro. Like, come on <laughs> now. You don't want to play them, do like D. All right, I'll I stop. The- I'll stop. But I want the Hornets to make it for the announcer. Oh, that's true. Get the hype going. <laughs> nah, we really know why you want the Hornets to make it, boo. Oh, I mean, that's that's also another positive. Shouts out to my man, PJ Washington, man. PJ <laughs> Washington, shout out to Lamelo. Yeah, yeah bro, <laughs> that's where I was going with it. That's where I was going with it. Squad uh, killing it, bro. I mean, they got a lot of guys on that team that I'm fans of. PJ Washington, Lamelo. Uh, they've got a, a great fan base. You know, they've got <laughs> stupid some incredible fans out there. You know, I might have to go to a, a Hornets game. You know? Yeah, to buckle down and get some tickets. Courtside too. but moving on to the moving on to the western conference though we sit down um going into the final game of the season we have the lakers at seven warriors at eight grizzlies at nine and spurs at ten so that looks like it's going to be the the order in some uh form of fashion um the spurs will be the 10 seed no matter what going on what happens today um the grizzlies and warriors are eight and nine so i guess um their last game does matter actually they play each other today too for the the eight seed so mm. they get the right to lose to the lakers so that's kind of cool y'all playing for the right y'all see y'all see the lakers play last night though yeah. See the highlights. I seen Braun doing his thing. Braun's back. Shooter throwing it off the glass and shit like that. Throwing alleys and shit like that. Yo, I, we we take for granted LeBron's bounce, bro. <laughs> so much, so much. <laughs> like it's that he just makes it look so easy, bro. Yeah. Like, does he have a fucked up ankle? Like, what the fuck? Right, like he just said, I'll never be hundred percent again. And then this game, he's going back just one handed. Like, oh, how much did he drunk? Did you see where he caught the ball? Yeah, like twenty four. <laughs> yeah, either, bro. Like, it's <laughs> it not a good alley oop pass. Does not make sense to me, bro. Yeah. Schroeder just threw that shit straight up in the air. LeBron caught that shit anyways. Yeah, 
Bro, that was like Jr. when he used to play with LeBron. He's like, I throw that shit anywhere Yo, near there, and he gonna catch it. Their highlights were <laughs> ridiculous because I, I think he caught one like with his offhand. Like he was just, it was just like crazy. He caught it with his offhand and it just like slammed that shit in. Yeah. Even the the famous D Wade LeBron. Picture. Oh, on uh, Jason Terry. Terrible pass. <laughs> no, the um, the oh. one, I think they're playing against well, the Bucks when Wade's just kind of yeah. like. And, yeah. and runs oh. in the background, just about yeah, to, yeah, 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 with, yeah. With the tomahawk, like that was a terrible pass, but yeah. the just, <laughs> just throw it up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, yeah. it's gonna be it's gonna be real interesting to see what what goes on today. I guess like I'm I'm actually really excited just for the fact that you know all these games have so much implication on what could possibly take place in the playoffs. So, yeah. but you know. You heard it here first. Off the rip thought right here. You heard it here first. If the Lakers win a championship as a seven seed, LeBron James is the greatest basketball player of all time. There's no more debate, no more questions. We will never talk about that bald head dude in Chicago anymore. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. Oh, the hot fire. Spicy. You yep. heard it first. The hot takes from Mukaman. Exactly. I like it. I like it. We'll keep it at that. <laughs> so I got a I got a little question for y'all today. Y'all doing anything uh fun today? Y'all enjoying the weather? What you what, what you Where you going with this? What's going Maybe. on? I'm just, I'm just asking. <laughs> I'm y'all afraid to answer. <laughs> hey, bro, like uh, I, I don't know. Had another, I didn't know shit had another event for today. I don't know if he was doing another. Oh, I got event you. Know saying, I, might, I might you know what I mean I might cook a little something out. You know what I mean. My grow little son. Wow, what's up? No, I'm just asking. I can't oh. just be curious. Can't oh, you see I mean, I just, I random you. as fuck. Bro, that was <laughs> bro, what you trying to get at, bro? bro I'm supposed to be. I'm supposed to be the pie yeah, head of the I'm podcast, like, yo, bro. What the fuck you just, about? Like an interrogator. Like, like, question? Yeah. I'm just trying to see like, how y'all living. Nice out today. I'm trying to see how y'all living today. That's nice out. Yeah, no, it is. It is. No, the Sox are actually kicking ass, though. Best team in baseball. Xander is the truth. Best mm-hmm. shortstop in baseball. He is the truth. Yeah, their team is fun this year. I'm not going to lie. Like, I I was talking shit, too, because I was telling people that they were going to be nice this year. I didn't think they'd actually be good. But if they get, like, another pitcher or so, I think they can be good, especially is, a bullpen on. Is Chris Sale ever going to come back and give you the next Dustin Pedroia? He said he. They said he's supposed to be coming back soon. I, we just don't know exactly. Yo, when was that Dustin is. Pedroia still on the um payroll? No, he retired. He, retired. He, just, he just retired after three he years. Was, what? He was he was collecting <laughs> PPP money for three years now. <laughs> so why do you need this white man paperwork, bro? That has to be like that's just like the easiest bread, bro. I'm just living at the Pierce. Yo. <laughs> Bro, he hadn't played a game. Like, I swear to God, he hadn't played a game since, like, we won the World Series in, like, fucking 07, bro. Like, I don't – was he was he there in 2013? Like, no bullshit. Like, was he there? Damn. No, nah, I think he was. I don't think we've seen him ever since then. That shit is money. That's bro- that's, that's Robbie as fuck. Middle of the day. Yeah. This man, was getting, this man was getting free loans. <laughs> he said a PPP loan, bro. <laughs> they had – the most paid time off in baseball history. 
Hey, yo, speaking yeah. of baseball history, from now on, Babe Ruth is black. If, if white people want to write history, I'm writing history. <laughs> Babe Ruth was a black man, yo. Fuck all that. I'm playing with the racial draft. We're taking Babe. You see some, you see some colored photos come out? You realize, wait a sec. Fuck all that. Who are we trading for him, though? Who are we trading for him? Who are we giving mm. up? Race trade. Shit, they could take OJ, bro. <laughs> Yo, no, 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 We keeping OJ. Nah, we we need somebody like that. We need OJ somebody like that. For the sole purpose that he the only nigga to nigga to beat a case though, and then <laughs> oh. talk about it and be like, yeah, hypothetically. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like that's, that's so gangster shit, bro. Like you write a story about like if I did it. Sammy, we'll give up Sammy. I'm okay with that, I guess. Nah, Sammy been going, bro. Yeah, they can take. He said, "Sammy." <laughs> Sammy been on the other side for a while now. Hell yeah, we changed the way the game looks. Sammy Sosa. Sammy stayed ducking his head in some fucking bleach, though. Huh? <laughs> Yo, did you, I don't know if you ever saw the the thirty for thirty with him and Mark McGuire, and that was the first time I really saw Sammy Sosa. I was like, yo, who the fuck is this dude? Because they kept showing, like, the throwback clips of, like, Sammy Sosa talking. Mm. And then they would show him, like, currently. This man looked like a yin-yang. Oh, shit. <laughs> Joe, chill out. He got a skin condition, bro. All jokes aside. He got Villalago. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you said he had vanilla wafers? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Johnson. <laughs> oh man, where we at, fellas? What's next? <laughs> so that was a tangent. I didn't even realize we was recording. <laughs> Yo, we was going. <laughs> oh shit! What's the off the rip joint? What we got? Yeah, so we- All right, y'all. So for our our last topic, our our own topic, our off the rip discussion for today you know as we all know social media big tech companies have played a big part in our lives a lot more lately than ever so my question for you guys is pretty simple but what is the best and worst part part or parts about social media in your opinion your experience um, you want to start with the best or the worst or just freestyle you can just freestyle um, it freestyle, right? whatever comes right, to your head go ahead just I say the best part of social media is is definitely like staying in contact with people. Like, I don't know. I feel like my people that I'm not really close with, like in high school or stuff, like I don't have to hit them up really, like text them, but I could just kind of go on their social media page and say, oh, this is what this person is up to. Mm-hmm. Um, but on a worst, I think the worst effects of social media is the fact that people always capture some of the happiest moments i i just think it's like a false sense of like reality like especially with like celebrities and stuff like there's always the happy side of things and those are always modified and altered so it's just like even even myself when i post a picture and stuff i'm always looking at like nah this ain't right or nah this ain't gonna really blow up or i'm not gonna get the attention that I want from this picture. You know what I mean? So I feel like I'm always in competition with myself and really just in competition with like everybody else. So I think that's 
the some of the negative effects of social media? Mm-hmm. Um, I've so I'm gonna start with some of the good, and I'm gonna go a little bit more macro because I agree with everything you said, Rashawn. So I don't want to repeat you, basically repeat you. But um, I think social media has leveled the playing field um, in terms of spreading information, in terms of a ability to organize and uh, ability to make money. Um, I think it's it's done a lot for the common person, the common man or woman who, or yeah, person, let me just say common person who um, before social media uh, wouldn't have as many options, mm. would have to rely on maybe just going to uh, the traditional, going to school, going to college, and then working a nine to five. Um, I think social media has allowed for a lot of different avenues to come up, a lot of creativity to happen and and, um, has created uh, a lot more opportunity and access uh, that was cut off to people before. Uh, With that, um, the negative effects is, uh, as Rashawn said, it can be um, really fake. And also just as good as spreading that information is, now it's not just spreading the right information. People try to be the first one to spread the information rather than checking whether it's true or not. So a lot of false information is getting passed around. Um, and also, uh, just as we talked uh, about, it is because it's a, it's a symptom of our country, uh, a symptom of our economy, um, it's racist. And so you see certain people who are blowing up, certain people who are getting attention, who are taking content from black creators and they're blowing up and they're the ones who are getting attention from it. Um, and there hasn't, there seems to not have been a way to, to, to balance that out yet. Um, and then also with all the good that comes uh, with social media, then comes all the ignorance. Uh, it's given a lot of people who, uh, maybe I don't want to say shouldn't have a voice, but a lot of people who would never been heard before Mm. um, now have a platform (laughs) to say some wild stuff and to come at with, with some crazy phrases. Um, And we don't need to hear everybody's take on everything. And I know I'm saying that as someone with a podcast, but some people just need to shut the fuck up. (laughs) Like we, we just don't need to see that or hear that. Um, And then there was something else that I was thinking about too, but Kareem, go ahead and I'm going to try to remember it. Oh, uh, sure. Um, I think, you know, somebody like you guys, mine is, it has a lot of the same points, but I think like if I can simplify, it's just like the best and worst thing for me about social media is like accessibility. Like mm. it's, it's the best part, but it's also the worst part. Mm. And like, I think about how, like how many times on, you know, ESPN do you see, oh, this kid sent a DM to LeBron James and he got back to him and sent him a signed pair of shoes or, you know, a kid reaches out to his favorite athlete or writer and gets a response back. And you just like, you can like feel how exciting that kid is. And like, that's like, for me, that's the peak of social media is like seeing other people's excitement and happiness and being able to like, in a sense, you can kind of celebrate with them, right? You can comment on their videos, you can talk with them. So like, you can kind of be with them for those, those happy parts. And like, I think that's a huge part of social media and why it's so addicting to us because we can kind of feel that connection, that dopamine spike of, of um, being with somebody else or seeing somebody else's happiness. 
but like in the same sense that accessibility is also the worst thing about it in that anybody can be disregarded, disrespected, hated upon, you know, uh, bullied, victimized, like, and, and that's the most difficult thing seeing is like when I log on to Twitter and, you know, you just see somebody getting absolutely obliterated for a take they had, or somebody posts a picture and, you know, some dude comments like you, you fat, whatever, like just yeah. people that look to, to troll, like sadist, narcissistic people that look to hurt other people, you know, and like, the ability that they have such accessibility to also hide behind fake accounts and fake names. Right. So like you can just go online, make an account in two seconds and then, you know, stalk somebody, you can, you know, uh, throw hate speech. You can do whatever <laughs> you can. Yeah. Right. You can catfish. Right. Like exactly. Yeah. So like that, that ability to just be so accessible to everybody is great, but it's also, again, like I think is the worst part about it. Um, and it just makes it such a difficult thing. And I, I feel like that's why in today's society, you see social media as kind of like a hot topic, but it's such a difficult thing. Like the statistics show like kids have more depression, more anxiety, there's more suicide directly related to social media use. It's not a question anymore. Like there's a direct correlation to it, mm-hmm. you know, yet we're seeing kids um statistically get phones at a younger age be allowed to create facebook instagram snapchat accounts at a younger age than ever before and it's like this issue of how do we control it how do we limit you know that use um and do you kind of like made a really good point about like the algorithms right and like certain creators not getting their attention or being able to be taken advantage of so other people can profit and like i've looked into that a lot an algorithm is really just like an extension of the creator of the person. So if algorithms are not showing certain contenters, certain contents, and if I'm going to be specific, not showing black content, mm. it's because the al- the person that created it doesn't want it to be shown. Or if I'm being generous, didn't think about that aspect. And he had a, he or she had a mental lapse or a bias and just didn't think I need to incorporate this, but that's really what it is. So we see on Instagram, on Facebook, like, I, you know, like I follow some fitness pages and all the fitness pages I see are just white males that are just ripped up and cut up. I see that's you following that dude, that black, that I just added myself, I just added myself, shit, shit. But but that's real though. That was the first dude in a long time. Like, yeah, that's algorithm, bro. But real, that's for real, yo. We just don't see it. I'm like, who's this dude all oiled up? You just don't see it, bro. You just don't see it, you know? But yeah, it's like, it, it, it's an issue. It's a real issue. And they haven't figured out how to deal with it. They haven't figured out how to stop it. But uh, it's not something that I think they really care enough to make a change about either. Mm. You know, algorithms, it's like black, the, the other thing that I was going to say that I just remembered, Kareem, was that it creates a lot of uh, keyboard warriors. A lot mm. of people who... Uh, yeah, fake tough guys. Yeah, a lot of fake tough guys. Um, a lot of, it, it, even in the sense of, uh, the movements, people virtue signaling, like they'll talk all that talk online or say, or, you know, post a black picture for blackout, whatever on Tuesday. And mm-hmm. it's like, but you, you really ain't living that life. Right. Mm-hmm. You're not really in the trenches. You're not really yeah. trying to fix the world. Mm-hmm. You're not really trying to provide services to anybody. You just put this up there, just make it look like that. And it's just lip service. Yeah. But I mean, that's for me, especially during the pandemic, that was like the best and worst 
yeah, it got I exposed. Guess. It got yeah, exposed. Being, being exposed and being like, oh, okay, this is somebody who I considered was a friend at one point. Mm-hmm. And yo, you talking reckless, like full display, right? Like mm-hmm. you, you talking real, you, you really showing who you are. So, okay, delete, unfollow. Like, you know what I mean? Just keep it moving. We don't even have to have a conversation about it anymore because you took the time out of your day to, to really express how you felt. You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. I think that was like one of the best worst case scenarios of social media for me. But, you know, talking about algorithms, though, I was on a sneaker app the other day, fellas. <laughs> and uh, I'm still I don't I can't figure it out, bro. Like anytime I try to dumb. get a, a shoe or something, yo, and it, it's like recently, bro, the past three shoes I tried to get, man, they like pending and then you know, <laughs> at the start. It's crazy. Still trying to get that down. Sneak app might be racist, though. Maybe. You heard it from Maybe. me. I mean, <laughs> I, I hit on the last three sneakers I wanted, so I got them all easily. So I can't call them racist. I got to show them some love. <laughs> I got I to gotta knock on some wood, keep that luck. So the next time I enter the draw, you know, I need another chance. <laughs> Thanks. But uh, the other yeah. thing that made me think of too, Kareem, was um, how with social media, it's you, you put yourself into a room or a proverbial room um, where you you sit with people who think like you and the algorithms mm. customize to show you a certain thing and will not show you the opposite view of what you think. Yes. Yeah. So then now, again, with that false sense of um, information that I was talking about earlier, now it creates a whole different world. Um and even the person right next to you might view something the same story completely differently because mm-hmm. of the way that it's been presented to them. Yeah, that's another great point. Is creating like a the what's it called the um, the echo chambers. That's right? what I'm trying to say. Yeah, echo um, chambers. Thank you. You know, you it's like, and you see it a lot on Facebook, right? Because you can get into groups on Facebook. Yeah. So like, you you get into this group of people that think similarly like you, and what it really does. So this is what I think. I think the initial intention is to create community and to create like a group of people that have similar interests and to make connection like that. I think that's the intention with what they do with that. I think the actual outcome is that it just divides people even more because that group then feels like, you know, this is the way that things are. This is the way that things are supposed to be. And any other group that's different is wrong, is hurtful, is denying me, you know, this information, like it it creates, it, it becomes more divisive. So you have this group versus that group, you know, and and we see that a lot, obviously in politics, but you see that a lot, even in like sports, like, you know, the Michael Jordan fan clubs versus the LeBron fan clubs, like the amount of like hate and just disrespectful comments that people will make because they're trying to argue who's the goat, you know, Mm. like that it's just, it's wild to me. Um, It's like, you, you make a good point is that like people, and I think that's why some researchers and some people will say like, you should join groups that you're not interested in. Like if you're, you know, a, a LeBron fan, you should join a, an MJ fan group. If you're a Democrat, you could join a Republican group. You know, if you, you know, whatever, like to diversify your your knowledge and understanding of things, because on the off chance, you might hear something in one of these groups that actually is like, oh, that's interesting and change your way of thinking and and research more. You know, like the more we just like stay into what we know and what we like, the more closed off we become, the more divisive we become. It's like the black dude who joined the Klan. I'm not talking about Clayton Bigsby. I know we talked about him earlier. But um, oh, the he was joining the Klan meetings. Yeah, uh, yeah, I know you Because he wanted about. to break down the barriers. Yeah. The racial, the, mm-hmm. the racial uh, 
barriers that was happening. And so it's yeah. the same exact thing. I'm not saying go to your local clan meeting, but you know, <laughs> right. that's, that's a little extreme, but <laughs> that's, that's, that's the idea, idea, right? That's, <laughs> the, that's idea. the idea to, to challenge some of those ideas and thoughts, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think that would help just create, like, I think that's what would make social media a great place. Cause social media is already dope. You know, like we all know it's great. We all know that we can spend a lot of time on it, but there's yeah. a lot of like things that, can be fixed that just aren't being fixed because they're making so much money, you know, and because they don't really care about the mental health uh, of people, you know? So there's a lot of things that could happen, could be done, but. Do you think the initial intent of like social media and like these different like social media platforms was to create a community where people could just be who they were and then specific people just came on and just kind of created these different divides amongst the social media community i believe so like i'd like to think so i'd like to think money happened right i i'd like to think that the people that created like facebook and instagram like they had good intentions of bringing people together but then when they like you said d when money got involved when they realized what they created they're like Mm. oh like oh we we got something like let let me find the most once you realize the government is going to start paying you to sell the information pay Mm. you millions and millions of dollars yeah not just the government other companies will pay you for all that information that you got mm-hmm. yeah right yeah yeah so it just it becomes kind of like it, it it changes from what it started off as i don't think they had bad intentions but i think yeah money is something else the snowball yeah. is something else you see them like you see uh you know when they have they get called to congress and have to answer for like every da- a data breach or data leak like yeah Mm-hmm. No, they, they start they start doing the dance, man. You know, they start tap dancing around everything. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and it's just like they're constantly in the news too. Like it's not a day that goes by that Twitter, that Facebook, that Instagram is not right. in some kind of litigation because of something that happens. You yeah. know, yeah. and to be that, quite that honest, should say something. Yeah, and to be quite honest with you, it's like yo, if you're approached by the government, like if they hand you a contract, like there's no way you could ever really turn that shit down. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? It's an offer you can't. It's an offer you can't refuse. You can't right. refuze that. Shit. Even if you turn it turn it down, then they'll just shut you down. Right. Exactly. That's true. Yeah. yeah. You so go to somebody else who can do it. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's one so of those like, things that keep it's... one hand on the steering wheel. At least you're still mm-hmm. driving. Yeah. But yeah. you you also y'all touched on like D said leveling the playing field and like entrepreneurship during the pandemic. I had a couple of scholars who said, "Yo." Mr. Powell. I thought he was going to talk about OnlyFans. But- no, 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 no. <laughs> well, that too. Yeah, since we talk about entrepreneurship, but like just in general, high school, going through school in general, yo, I'm thinking about just fuck school. I could just promote my business on social media. Like, what do y'all think about that? Well, yeah, social media is giving people skills that they like, so, uh, what is it? This is soft skills. Like there's hard skills and so mm-hmm. I, I I don't know what the correct term is, but it's, it's teaching these kids how to you know use technology and how to market themselves. Putting up a good Instagram picture means that you know how to take a, a good photo, you know how to com- make a good composition, you know mm-hmm. where the lighting is, all that stuff. It's like innate. Yeah. Right. Though you don't have the technological terms for it, mm-hmm. but it's like you're learning that. Right. And, and and so like you're learning all these different skills, and so by the time you get to high school and college especially when you talk about how antiquated the public school system and just school is the school setup in general yeah. in terms of what we teach in terms of like, yo, we're, I'm never going to need to explain what a parabola is in my life. 
why <laughs> am I learning so much about how to find the square root of X? Like mm-hmm. it's never going to come up, but what is going to come up is, yo, how can I uh, make this YouTube video? Boom. How can I get more views on this and on that? And that that's teaching um, again, all these different lessons that people might find those lessons in college, but right. now you're learning it early. So it's like, well, what do I got to pay for that? Right. If I already know how to do this, I'm already making money here. I can just go out and keep doing that. Like you mean to tell me that I could sit in my room all day, play a video game, record myself on a Twitch app and people will watch me play this and I make money doing this. Good money. <laughs> good money. Good, good money. Like, yeah. I don't think people understand how, right. uh, how lucrative um, online gaming has become like mm-hmm. streaming. It, it's absolutely insane. It's something that I look at. I'm like, damn, bro. I love to play video games. And I'm like, I wish I had just been like confident enough just to put a camera on and just film myself. Like, yeah. shit. Like, I watch some of these dudes and they're multi, multi-millionaires. Bro, there's like, one, easy. one guy who was making off of Fortnite, I believe. He was making $500,000 a month. Yeah. $500,000 a month. It's just crazy. playing a video game. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think I think um, there needs to be a serious change in our school stru- structure because of that. I think it's mm-hmm. evident. I think that's the way it's going, not yeah. just from what we teach, but also how much it costs um, to go to school. It's just yeah. it's not going to work. Well, and, and that's another thing too, and, and this is like a whole other conversation. But just quickly, the the idea behind school is schools initially were set up to get people ready for like factory jobs back in the day. That's why you sit in the same classroom when you're younger for seven hours in the day is mm. because like they're teaching you to basically be able to follow directions, to be able to, to problem solve somewhat, but to be able to sit in one place and kind of do what you're being asked to do and take in information. You know, and back in the day, the majority of jobs were just like these huge ass factory jobs. But like as you know, society evolves, there's way more jobs, way more things you can do. But schools haven't changed. The structure hasn't changed at all. We still go to school Monday through Friday. We still go to school from roughly 730 to two o'clock. Like. You're right, D. Like schools need to change drastically and catch up with the times, but there's no incentive for them to actually make that change, and that's the issue. And and it's going to be a, a bigger problem of um, access and opportunity, and the achievement gap is going to widen because mm. you're going to have people who go who can choose not to go to public school and go to the private schools that are changing the models that mm. are are catching up with the times, and then you enter the same world at the same time as them after high school. And it's, this group is so much further ahead than the other group because they didn't have that access. Right, exactly. Yeah. There was like a BPS study that came out three years ago with like people who graduated at like the top percent percentage in their schools or whatever, some of those uh, students. And they, they tracked them for, I think, five or six years to see where they panned out, like salary range. And they're still like, just these are BPS um, students. They're still like in that entry level um, gap when it comes to salary. And these are like the top percentage like students. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that has to come into question too. Like even with just accesses and opportunities and the, just the different resources. Yo, friggin', I was shocked to um go to, I'm, I'm working at the O'Brien, right? Went to Weston. I mean, obviously, they got a lot of money and shit. Public school, right? They just, the year I left, they built a freaking 
$2.4 million fucking science wing, right? Why? Like, why do you, why do you need that, bro? There's like 300 kids here. Why? <laughs> Go to fucking um, O'Brien, and these, we got outdated fucking um, computers, like computer labs. Mm-hmm. Shit's crazy, bro. Tax yeah. revenue. Textbooks and all types of shit. You know what yeah, I'm saying? I'm like, t- I'll- your taxes. The yeah. Boston is so <laughs> fucked up because of the way that they district neighborhoods into schools. Yeah. Um, and Trev makes a really good point that the graduation requirements are really low in Boston. Um, and, and that's goes back to the history of Boston, right? Mm-hmm. And and some of the big systemic issues uh of you know gentrifying and, and moving different areas and neighborhoods. But that was something that really surprised me when I first moved out here was um just like some of the expectations of school students depending on the different schools and where you live like that seems like such a bigger problem than what it it like than what people say you know like it, it's not talked about enough i don't it's think <laughs> bro at our school at my school not in the pandemic at my school that i work at kids leave at noon and like they just bounce and that's it that's crazy yeah last two classes of the day the school is half empty Mm-hmm. That's crazy. And I'm, uh, and, and I'm getting pressed for my numbers. Like, yo, why is there a bunch of absences? Why are kids coming to your group? And I'm like, mm-hmm. the kids are leaving, right? And, and like, I, I go to the um, talk to leadership at the school, and I'm like, how do I fix this? They're like, yo, it's been a hundred year problem here at this school. Like, it's just <laughs> been that way since we've been in since we've been open. Well, you just not like, so in your school, bro. Like, you're supposed to get it done. Like, you're yeah, supposed to change so. it. <laughs> It's just like, dude, man, it, the expectations that you're being, that they're being held to are, are very minimal. Yeah. Very minimal. Yeah. And I think there's just not enough. There's some really amazing teachers, but I just think there's not enough teachers that um, can really connect with the students to get them to want to be in school. Because they don't look like not, them. Yeah, they're not. <laughs> about the, about yeah, their exactly. Population. They don't yeah. look like them. And that was another shock, too. I'm like, yo, everybody in here white. <laughs> right. Yeah, like, like at everybody least everybody in here from a Sandra Bullock movie. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> like, yeah, at least where I went to school, to teach the teachers, my teachers matched my classmates, bro. Here in Boston, it doesn't make no sense, man. Like, yeah. it doesn't match. <laughs> it doesn't look adding, right. Something's not adding up. Right? Yeah. I, I know there's not, like, there's, I don't think there's a certain, uh, uh, I think there's not, there's not, well, I'm stuttering. There's not not enough black teachers or like teachers of color. They're just not being hired for the areas that they need to be hired for. Like I, I know for a fact they're out there. Yeah, they're but, the deans and you know the people that come in to defuse the situation. They're, when, they're the disciplinary. Yes, yo, kid, yes. When a black kid is misunderstood by his teacher, this is when they come in to defuse the issue. Yeah, the, the disciplinary counselors and whatnot, and they're, they're yeah. the BAM counselors of of these schools. <laughs> yeah. Mm. it's crazy no nah, this was this was a this was a great topic rain yeah yeah man. yeah man it's a lot to think about it's a lot to think about yeah why don't you let the good people know where to find us oh i can definitely do that so 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 if you are looking to follow us you can get us on twitter at off the rip underscore pod and on instagram we are off the rip dot podcast mm. um, and as Mook says, tell a friend to tell a friend to tell another friend. Where we at with followers? I think we're at 108 right now when it comes to followers. So the merch is coming. It's on the way. 
Here. Oh, and we have live footage of Cole in Rwanda right now. Oh shit! Live footage. Hey, oh, with the, with the was that a putback? With the putback, live <laughs> reaction. <right now>. <laughs> <laughs> he struggled to get up there though. That's crazy. That's, That's two crazy. points. Two professional points on for for Cole. You can say that he's a professional basketball player. Mm-hmm. Man, right. and uh, yo, merch coming soon. Keep a lookout, y'all. Yeah, and we, we're gonna announce. We're gonna announce the winners. We're gonna announce the winners, or we'll be in your DMs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just we'll be, be checking. Just be checking. <laughs> you know whose DMs I'll be in. <laughs> <laughs> you know who I'm talking about. Yeah, I know. Anyways, this has been another episode of Off the Rip.